Good evening. If those last two songs did not awaken us, you're probably done for the night. But uh, I hope you enjoyed those. I did. And uh, I was amazed at the flexibility of yourself, Brother Mike. You did a song off the cuff. Multi-talented. All right. Well, very good. I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we will get started tonight. Father, it is good to be in your house. I thank you for this time that we have together. I pray that you would bless this time in your word. I pray that you would use it to speak to our hearts however you would see fit. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. I think, well, start this way. I want to begin tonight by talking about something that I think most of us are aware of. Maybe not everyone would be mindful of this. Not everybody might be able to phrase it, uh, what I'm about to say, and the way in which I'm about to say it. But this evening, I want us to think about this truth, that there really are only two ways in which we can go through this life. You understand what I'm saying? That as we go through this life, there really is only two ways in which we can go through it. One way might be called this, a biblical worldview, and another way would be defined or described as a secular worldview. So you understand that, right? You're really only going to be able to go through life with one of two views, one of two ways. You and I will either go through life with a biblical worldview or we will go through life with a secular worldview. And all that means is this, is either the Bible will be our authority or it will not be. Either the Bible is going to be final authority in our lives or something else in this world will be. But I want us to think about this again before we make our way to the message and the thoughts that I hope to bring before us tonight. That any time a person tries to combine those two, both will be contaminated. If you try to blend a secular worldview with a biblical worldview, the biblical worldview is going to be contaminated. And if somebody tried to blend the Bible view with their worldview, then their worldview is going to be, or their secular worldview, I should say, that secular worldview is going to be contaminated. There really is no similarities between the two when you get down to the nuts and bolts of it. They are completely different, and we live our lives according to one of them. Everyone does. So that in mind, I'd like us to think about this. I want us to think about how you and I have the ability to go through life almost in a mechanical fashion without really engaging our minds. I know I've talked about this before, but I want us to think about it again. You and I are people of routine, and you and I are people of ritual. And as a result of that, we are able to go through life almost without engaging the mind in much of what it is we are doing. To illustrate it, let me just share with you some things that I've shared in the past. I would suspect that most of us wake up at almost the same time every day. Whatever time that is for us, we wake up at about the same time. 
It may be 5.30 for one. It may be 6 o'clock for someone else. It may be 7 o'clock for someone else. It doesn't matter. You get the idea. That's pretty much when you're going to wake up. It could vary a little bit, but that's how you're going to do it. Once you get up and you start your day, your routine looks pretty much the same. How you go about getting ready for the day, how you leave or when you leave to go to work, that's pretty much going to be the same. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to engage the mind. You can run on autopilot. When you get to work, you've probably got a routine that you go through at work. Whenever I get there, I'm going to check my email, I'm going to check messages, I'm going to do this, I'm going to talk to this person, I've got to visit with this person. On Tuesdays, I do this. On Thursdays, I do this. Whatever it is, work has a routine. You come home to what? More routine. Again, room for variation to an extent, but it's about the same thing. You eat supper, and then whatever it is after supper you do... And then at about the same time every night, you go to bed and you do everything the same way the next day. Now that in and of itself is not wrong. That in and of itself is not sinful. Because of how we live, our lives have to have a little bit of structure and routine, right? But here is the truth of it, and here is the reality of it, that if we go through life mechanically without ever engaging our minds, it is possible that the routine could actually change and benefit us. But if we never think about what it is we're doing, nothing will ever change that could possibly be of help to us. Now you say, if it works for us, then how could it be better? How many of us have ever said to ourselves, I need to get to bed earlier at night? But if we don't ever think about it, what do we do? We keep staying up too late, and then when the alarm goes off the next morning, we're too tired to get up as early as we know we need to get up, and so the routine is always rushing to get to work in time and being tired and not having done what needed to be done. But again, if we don't ever think about it, then the routine can never be adjusted or it never be shifted and changed, and, and we might actually be hurting ourselves because we're not thinking about what it is we're doing each day. So if that makes any sense at all, I want us to turn tonight to the book of Proverbs. Even if it doesn't make sense, I want you to turn to the book of Proverbs. I want you to look at chapter 21. Last month I was doing my Bible reading and this was my proverb for the day and I came across this verse that I know I haven't preached in several years, and so I know it's been long enough that if I have preached it in the last five years, I know that you have forgotten what I said. And so we're going to look at it again this evening. But in Proverbs chapter 21, verse number 2, here is what Solomon said. He said, every way of a man is right in his own eyes. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes. Now, I know that most of you know this. I know that most of you understand this. And and a lot of explanation is not needed. But I want us to work through this so that we're all on the same page. Solomon speaks 
of the way of man, and we understand that to mean the path or the direction that one takes with their life. Okay, so whenever he speaks of the way of a man, he is speaking of the path or the direction or the choices that a person makes for their life. And what Solomon said is this, is that every way of that man is right in his own eyes. And so for something to be right, it just means this, that it is correct. It is proper. This is what needs to be done. So if you think about what Solomon has said, he is absolutely correct, right? That everything a person does, it is the right thing, it is the proper thing, it is the correct thing for them to do. Everyone is convinced that what they are doing is the right thing for them. How many people have we known who have said things like this? I know and I believe that I am dead wrong, but I'm doing it anyways. We don't hear that very often, right? Most people are convinced that whatever it is they are doing, whatever it is as to how they are living, they are convinced that it is the right thing to do, that it is the right direction to take, that it is the right path for their lives. So if you think about that, I want us to give some attention to this, that every young person who has the ability to make some decisions for themselves, you know what they truly believe? They truly believe as a young person, their decisions are right and correct for themselves. So if you've got a teenager that's 14, 15, 16 years old, and they've been given a little bit of freedom, and they've been given some opportunity to make some decisions for themselves, you know what they truly believe? They truly believe that everything they are doing is the right thing to do. It is proper. It is correct. It is accurate. It doesn't matter if dad and mom agree or disagree. I know I'm right on this one. That's how the teenager feels. If they didn't feel that way, they wouldn't be doing that. Every young person, young adult, believes that what they are doing is right. Every middle-aged individual believes that what they are doing is right. And you see the pattern here. Every older citizen believes that what they are doing and how they are living is right. That is the tendency of mankind for us to believe that what we are doing is right. Now this evening, in building upon that, let's think about this. That when a person is given the liberty to decide how they're going to live, it is going to impact every area of their life. When a person has complete liberty to make decisions for their life and their life exclusively, and nobody else can tell them what to do, they will then have the freedom to make decisions that will impact every area of their life. So what does that mean? 
It just means this. They get to decide what career path they will take. What am I going to do with my life for the rest of my life? That is their choice to make. Who am I going to marry? That is their choice. As they get married and they have their young little family, they get to decide as a couple how they are going to live. And they get to decide one day how they'll raise their children. They get to decide what their spiritual approach to life will be. They get to decide what their priorities in life will be. They get to decide what they will value in life. Everyone who gets to make decisions for themselves, they are making decisions in every area. We understand that, right? Now, as we think about that, see if I'm being truthful and see if I am presenting this correctly. That sometimes a person who is now able to make decisions for themselves, they sometimes or oftentimes make those decisions without really thinking as to the decisions they ought to be making. Meaning, the decisions they're making, it's almost like they are on autopilot or they are going according to routine or whatever is in front of them, and they're not really thinking about why they're making the decisions they're making, They're not thinking about the long-term effect of the decisions they're making. They're just making decisions. Let me illustrate. Have you ever talked to a young person who is working a job and they have no idea why they are working that job? Have you ever talked to a person like that? Why are you working this job? Why are you doing what it is you're doing? Uh, They just offered me a job and it sounded pretty good, so I thought I would take it. How much thought did you put into that? Well, I don't guess a whole lot. It just seemed like a good idea at the time. Does it sound like anybody you've ever met? How about this? You ever met somebody who spent money and it seemed as though they spent it without much thought? (laughs) They had money in their pocket. They saw something shiny to them and it looked good, so I didn't really think about it. I just saw it and I wanted it and I had it, and so I just bought it. Not really thought about it. You ever met somebody and it looked pretty obvious to you that someone else had dictated to them what their priorities would be because they had never thought about what their priorities needed to be? 
It was like somebody else was telling them, this is what's important, and this is what matters, and this is what has value to it. Have you ever met people like that? That they hadn't really thought about why it is they're doing what they're doing, they're just doing it. The same would be true of spiritual decisions. They're not really thinking about the long-term effect. They're not really thinking about the consequences of, of the spiritual decisions they're making. They're just making some spiritual decisions. They may not even realize they're spiritual in nature, but, but they're making some spiritual decisions without engaging the mind. Let's hear this. And, and, and as a result, they, they have no ideas to what the long-term effect of those decisions could be. I'm just saying there are a lot of people who go through life and they believe the direction they are taking is the right, correct, proper direction that they need to be taking. And they haven't even really thought about where it is they're at, what they're doing, and what the consequences of those decisions might be. So Solomon says in verse number two that every way of a man is right in his own eyes. Then he said this, but. So what does that do? That draws a contrast, right? People go through life, Solomon says, doing what they believe is right However, but the Lord pondereth the hearts. What is the hearts a reference to? It is a reference to the inner man. That is a reference to who we are internally, but it's also believed by many, and it seems fair, that what Solomon is talking about is this, is that the Lord pondereth the heart or the motive of the person behind their actions and their decisions and what it is they are doing. So follow this. He says, Every way of man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord ponders the heart or the motives behind those actions and the decisions that are made. What does it mean to ponder? It means this, to consider or to weigh something carefully. There's no rush to judgment. There is no rush to conclusion. There is no rush to action. Solomon is painting this picture in the mind of his readers, you and I tonight. He is saying, here is what the Lord does He weighs out and he carefully considers everything we do and our motives behind it. Solomon says that the Lord gives attention to why we do everything that we do. Everything. Now, I want to ask you a question tonight. It's a very simple question. Don't get confused by it. Just consider it. The question is this. 
if the Lord considers our motives for why we do things, wouldn't it make sense for us to consider our motives before we do things? If the Lord himself is carefully considering why we do the things we do when given the opportunity to make decisions that impact our lives, if the Lord himself is thinking about why we're doing what we're doing, then shouldn't we think about what we're doing and the decisions we're making And again, the answer is obviously yes. So we could say it like this. That as we go through life, we cannot afford to just go according to routine and ritual. As we go through life, we cannot afford to go through life mechanically With every decision we make, we have to be willing to ask ourselves, why am I making this decision? I wish some of us would hear this, all right? This is important. We need to be willing to ask ourselves, why am I making this decision that I am making? And see, here's the thing. With every decision we make, we will either make it from a biblical worldview or we will make it from a secular worldview. To try to blend them will only contaminate them. So as I go through life, as you go through life, We have to engage the mind, we have to engage the brain, and we have to say to ourselves, why am I doing this? The Lord already knows why I'm doing this. I need to make sure I know why I'm doing this. So let's think about this, and I know that this is going to seem maybe a little bit mundane. This may seem a little bit tedious, but I want us to think about this because you and I, for the most part, where are we? We are already in that stage of life where we get to make decisions for ourselves, right? You and I are already in that stage of life where I get to make and you get to make decisions. We get to make them for ourselves. And, and some decisions or, or, or dis- acts we have already made, some, some of those decisions, it has already landed us in certain places. And we have to ask ourselves, okay, going forward, what am I going to do in relation to these things? Now, again, this may not seem real exciting, but it needs to be considered. Somebody says, all right, well, what are you talking about? Well, let's think about this for just a moment. For those of us who have a job and for those of us who have a career, we need to be willing to ask ourselves, why do I have this job? Why do I have this career? Why is this my profession? 
Now, somebody may say, why do I need to ask that question? Why do I need to consider it? Why do I even need to give that any thought? For this reason, we need to know why we're where we're at. Because just because this is where we're at doesn't necessarily mean this is where we're supposed to be at. You say, well, what do you mean? Okay, for those of us who have a job, it's got a schedule associated with it, right? It has certain demands associated with it, right? It requires a certain number of hours of our life. And again, it's just going to demand certain things of us. So why am I doing this every day? If I am getting up every morning and I am doing this every day, why am I doing it? Well, it's easy. I mean, don't you understand? I got to make money. I got to have a job. I've got to be able to pay my bills. Don't you understand? I trust me. I understand that as well as anybody does. But I'm just saying to us, sometimes, even as adults and even as Christian adults, I want us to consider this. Sometimes we can keep a profession that we have no business keeping. But the reason we're keeping it is because of a secular worldview that is driving us. It needs to be considered. Because if we don't consider it, we could actually possibly be hurting ourselves by continuing to hold on to it rather than choosing to go through life with a biblical worldview. We we don't have to get excited about this at all. I'm just going to keep preaching like we're all in agreement on this. See, here's what can happen. We can begin to be motivated by the things of this world, right? And so we begin then to try to blend our secular worldview with our biblical worldview. And we try to tell ourselves that everything is okay when in reality it's not all okay. We've really got to ask ourselves, why am I doing what I'm doing? Because the Lord has already considered why it is we're doing what we're doing with our profession. And if it's not because of a biblically based decision, then the motivation behind it is not what it's supposed to be. Moving on to something that I know will be less touchy. I don't know the right way to say it. Moving on to something that maybe we'll agree with more. I don't know. For those of us who have the ability to make decisions with our money, we have to be or we ought to be willing to ask ourselves, what is my motivation behind my attitude in relation to money?
You and I both know that you can approach money with a secular worldview or a biblical worldview. And that is the motive, one way or the other, behind our attitude toward money. We are either approaching our finances with the attitude that the world has told us to approach money with, or we are approaching our finances with the attitude that Scripture tells us to approach it with. But we need to think about it. And oftentimes, even believers don't think about it. Because we live in a world that is consumed by money, it is easy to get into the mindset that we've got to save, 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 save. Why? So that I can have a big nest egg, so that I can have a great retirement, so that I can buy that house, so I can buy that toy, so that I can do all these things. Now, I'm not saying in and of itself that that attitude is wrong, but I am saying sometimes that attitude can be promoted and motivated out of a secular mindset more than anything biblical. We've got to be willing to think about it. Why do I have my attitude about money like I've got it? We need to ask ourselves this. Why are my priorities what they are? Why is this important to me, whatever it is? Whatever the priorities are, whatever it is that drives me, whatever it is extracurricular outside of my marriage, outside of my kids, outside of my job, whatever these priorities are, whatever these things are of value to me, what is motivating that? We need to ask ourselves that for this reason. God already knows what's motivating that. He already knows if that priority is motivated out of a secular worldview or a biblical worldview. He already knows if it's in agreement with his will or if it's in disagreement with his will. And friends, if we don't think about that, we can have a whole set of priorities that are completely out of line with God's will for our lives. Probably ought to ask ourselves this. Why is my spiritual temperature what it is right now? Why is my spiritual temperature what it is right now? Say, what in the world do you mean? I just mean this. We need to ask ourselves, why are we here tonight? Why are we here tonight? It's either a biblical reason or it's a secular reason. Somebody says coming to church could be of a secular nature, it could be of a secular reason. Absolutely. Not everybody who attends church is attending church for the right reasons. And we've got to be willing to ask ourselves that. Is it my heart that really wants to be here? Is it my desire to really hear the preaching of the Word of God, to be an encouragement to others? Is that really why I'm here? Or am I here because somebody drugged me here? Am I here because somebody expects me to be here? Why am I here? We've got to know what our motives are behind being here.
Ask yourself this question tonight as it relates to your spiritual life. Why have you or have you not spent any time in the Word this week? It's either a biblical motivation or it's a worldly motivation behind that. Why have you or have you not spent real time in prayer this week? There's a motive behind that. Why do you or do you not tithe? There is a motivation behind that. It's either biblical or it's secular, but you cannot blend the two. Somebody says, well, I love Jesus. I just, I, I just don't spend time in his word. I'm blending the two. No, you're not. Well, I love the Lord. I just, I, I just don't have time to pray. No, you're trying to blend the two, and, and those don't go together. They contaminate one another. You know, I, I love the Lord. I love the things of the Lord. I just I can't afford to tithe right now. No, you're trying to blend two different motives, and it doesn't work that way. What are the motives behind our spiritual temperature right now? We've got to be willing to think about this. With every decision we make in life, every decision we make in life, we have to think about it. And what we need to think about is this, is what is my motive for the decision I'm making? If my motive falls in line with the authority of the Word of God, then it's something I need to be doing, and it's something that I ought to be pursuing. But if I'm honest before God, and I look at my motive, and I realize it's not a biblical view that has motivated me to do this, it then has to be a secular worldview that has motivated me to do this, we need to realize that that puts us then at odds with God in our lives. You and I cannot live with a secular world view and be on right terms with God. And I'm just saying to us tonight that if we don't think about it, we'll just kind of go through life in a routine, mechanical fashion. We won't think about our priorities. We won't really think about our spiritual life. We won't really think about things of importance like our career, our money, how we're spending our money. If we don't think about the decisions we're making, everything will just be made according to routine and ritual. And friends, I'm telling you, you know this as well as I do, that is no way to go through life. Are we hearing this? That is no way to go through life. Again, Solomon said this, The Lord has already weighed out the heart. He has already carefully considered our motive behind everything we do. It doesn't really matter if we think we're right or not. The only thing that matters is if our actions are motivated from the authority of the Word of God. How often do we really think 
before we act. It is something that most of us, myself included, we could afford to engage in far more often. What is my motivation behind this decision that I am making? Let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, we come to you this evening. Lord, you know the heart. Solomon already made that clear. Lord, you know the motivation behind every decision we make and every thought process that people are dealing with right now. You know the motivation behind it. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be willing to think about what it is we're doing, that you would help us to engage the mind more often. And Lord, that we would be willing to have a biblical worldview and approach to how we make our decisions. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.